This is Chris McGowan has a podcast too. I am your host, the aforementioned Chris McGowan. And I start every podcast by apologizing for the lack of uh, posting and updates. As always, I don't really have a good excuse. I get busy with other things. I am part of another podcast that I record. I don't always edit, but I have to record it. I'm guesting on another podcast that is yet to be released. I write things. I have to go to a job. Occasionally eat. So, I do apologize, though. Because we're on a very important mission right now, which is to get you ready for the Librarian's Season 2 premiere, which I have completely missed. It is two episodes into the new season, and I am still talking about the movies. So, another thing to apologize for. So, I'm hoping by now, even though I haven't sent you a new updated podcast, that you have done it, done this job on your own. That you've sought out the three movies, and that you've downloaded the season one from iTunes. And I do recommend that because... There is additional scenes, extended episodes that they put on iTunes only. Now, they might be on the DVD. I'm not sure. But I know for sure it is on iTunes. If you watch it on TNT, it's still the broadcast version. But any true Librarians fan should see everything, you know, as any fan of things do. But we're getting ahead of ourselves, because today we are dealing with movie number two, uh, Return to King Solomon's Minds. This is one of those plural things. I don't know if you listen to uh, the Sklarborough Country podcast, but they have a running joke, and this is a two-year-old joke, so I'm showing how behind I am on podcasts, but... Let me make sure my window's closed. My neighbor just closed his window really loudly. I think he hears me recording. Actually, the full title is The Librarian Returned to King Solomon's, apostrophe S, Minds, plural. Now, at first, just looking at the title, you might think, oh, is that a typo or, or why are we returning it? Is this an untelevised adventure that we're referring to? We'll get to it. Although you've already watched this, so you already know. Let's get some facts out of the way. The writer is Marco Schnabel. Schnabel? Schnabel? Marco Schnabel. And then they gave David Titcher from uh, the first movie a little credit, too, because I guess he owns the characters now. At least uh, Flynn and Judson and uh, Charlene. And I guess Mom, too. Everyone else is new, so, you know, good for David for getting that WGA negotiated um, credit. So there you go. Uh, Directed by Commander Riker, otherwise known as Jonathan Frakes. I'm sure that's very disrespectful for uh, an accomplished actor and artist and director. But if I say Jonathan Frakes, you may not know who I'm talking about. But if I say Commander Riker, you know exactly who I'm talking about. So, 
we jump right in to a cold open, as you might see in Doctor Who, in media res, with the current companion, a gentleman who is of, uh, actually the, t- the term is uh, first people now, I believe. He does have the unfortunate name Tommy Yellowhawk. I'm, I'm not quite sure if that is, I don't know. I'm just going to call it like it is. But you know, uh, Tommy and, and uh, Flynn are in pursuit of Crystal Skull, which I'm not quite sure uh, where this fits in the timeline of Indiana Jones. Um, in that movie, I'm going to look it up right now, actually. This actually predates the Crystal Skull movie of Indiana Jones. How about that? This was 2006. And the Indiana Jones movie is 2008. So, hey, guess what? Indiana Jones stole from this. There you go. Um, so, anyway, right away, you will notice there is no Nicole, the protector from movie one. Now, real reason is she's busy doing other stuff. The in-universe version, we have no idea. I think there is a line at some point like, I don't even know if they mention her, to be honest with you. But she's not around, and she's not mentioned. So, we'll have to talk about that in MagoogsCon. We apparently have a slight uh, budget increase from the first movie. We have some impressive camera work. I believe this is pre-drones. So you have some impressive drone work or helicopter work going on. There's some, some, some great shots. So they have to get the Crystal Skull. They get it from these bad guys. They're about to leave, and Flynn sees an arrowhead, and he can't resist himself. He's got he's to get his librarian on. Of course, the bad guys see them. Pursuit happens. They do a Butch, De- Butch Cassidy and Sundance kind of jump. Hilarity ensues, and we're out. We get to Egypt and we see some Rob Reiner looking guy gets killed and he sends something somewhere. Yada, 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 yada. For the in-universe reasons, we again see Excalibur back to the uh, library. And it makes its return in a very Pink Panther kind of way, attacking Flynn. Again, of all the things to bring back, the sword is a prominent fixture in the three movies. So here we are again. Have some fun with that. We have some fun with um, some brick walls. And strangely, the flute that uh, makes, comes to life and floats behind them plays the theme song to the Librarian's movie. Now, I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to read too much into it, but it is something to note for headcanon. Because... Why would Magoog's kind of exist without interesting things like this? It is possible now. If the flute is playing the theme song to the TV, to the TV movie, the flute is aware that this is a fictional universe. Hmm. Think about that. Again, we, we pay lip service to, to the time-traveling ninjas. Unfortunately, we never see them. Still no time-traveling ninjas on my screen. Here's hoping for season two of the TV show. Um, now for, you know, I first saw this, Flynn then comes home to, uh, Olympia Dukakis's uh, house, 
And I'm like, oh, he still lives at home. He's 32. But um, really, it's he has his own apartment. He just must hang out at home and do his laundry and stuff, which is reasonable. Now, listen, I, I'm cheating here. And you are too, since you've watched this already. But we meet Uncle Jerry. Now, there's going to be some comparisons to the first movie. And here's the first one. In the first movie, we had the teacher, who was a trusted father figure, who ended up being evil. Spoiler alert, Uncle Jerry here is just dripping with betrayal. And I'm sorry. I mean, I saw it a mile away when I first saw this. So We have the flashback of um, Noah Wiley playing his father, his own father. So there you go. Um, and clearly, Uncle Jerry was into Olympiodococcus when she was young. He died at 32. Uh, Flynn's dad died at the same age he is in this movie, which is kind of sad. You get some random-ass uh, pictures from his mom. Again, I realize this is a movie. There's a narrative structure for a reason. So is it coincidence that she gives him to these now? Why Why would she decide now is the time? Well, it doesn't matter. He gets his uh, little emblem, he gets his little necklace, and he gets his crayon drawings, and now we're off to, he goes home, and it looks like someone broke into his apartment. Nope, it was just a cat. Nope, nope, it really was someone. Knocks him in the head. It's the second time we see the bald man. The bald man, who doesn't get a name until very late in the movie. Um, turns out to be General Samir. But um, for a while, he's just the bald dude. I also like that uh, Judson has a rotary phone, keeping it real. And he magically shows up pretty quickly, which we actually get a reason how he's able to do that. We get some info dump about Solomon and Mines and a bunch of crap. Then we actually see Judson. Um, I don't know. He just appears next to uh, Charlene. Kind of magically. So, in-universe, again, this is something... For you Uber fans to know, I don't I don't know how to describe him. He he's magical. I mean, he can clearly teleport. Um, he can go into people's dreams. I don't know. I'm not, I do not know what Judson can't do. It's very it's very interesting. Um, so then they get the lead on the book that he's got to go to. Some dig site. And we and we see Fiona from Burnotis, otherwise known as uh, Gabrielle Anwar. So they're doing their thing, and he's trying to do a doctor-y kind of thing of, I'm supposed to be here, but I'm not really supposed to be here. And there's a sinister guy in the background watching them. Flynn is terrible at lying. He gets the boot, sneaks back at night, and he finally tells Fiona the truth. Now, I don't know why he didn't just tell her up front. I would think... In this universe, people know about the uh, New York Library, but clearly it's much like Warehouse 13, where people don't know. So it's kind of a secret. So that's something to keep in mind. This isn't something that's well-known in the world, at least at this point. We do some little tomb and temple goodness, Temple of Doomy, Sinister Guy attacks, but psych, he's really a good guy, because they both have the same necklaces. Uh, Flynn finds part of the part of the key, but of course, bald guy is on their trail. You think they shoot the uh, sinister guy, who's the good guy? 
But as we see later, he has a fate much worse, which we really don't, we really, really don't see what happens to him and his family. It's pretty, it's pretty dark, actually. But then they find out, for some reason he knows the other path of the key is in Kenya. He's like, Flynn, Fiona, get to Kenya. So he gets captured. And then there's a scene, like I was saying, where uh, Samir has him. He's like, I'm going to kill your family. And we just uh, kind of, I don't know. Tough luck, homie. We're in Kenya now. Uh, we do get a little reference to uh, the bird language from the first movie that Flynn was able to translate. Uh, but Emily, Fiona, um, makes makes herself valuable by saying there's certain things that she can only interpret. So she's along for the ride. So we uh, smash cut to Kenya, and there's a there's a weird scene in this camper uh, caravan car. There's a character named Deborah, who is not from the first movie. Now you might say, Chris, you are wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. And since I'm at my computer, I'm going to look up her character that character name because she she's in the back of the thing, if you remember. And uh, Commander Riker is her husband. He's like a uh, Hitchcock, I guess. I stand corrected. That is the same actress playing Deborah. It is. It absolutely is. For some reason, I don't... I've seen this... Um, I've seen both movies twice. And both times, I don't think that she looks the same at all. But it is the same actress. So that's some continuity for you. Deborah has made two appearances. That's a little trivia fact. I wrote a note to myself. Baldy can withstand heat? With a question mark? I have no idea what that means. So we have a really crazy montage of walking across Kenya. No real um, places of rest. I, I, uh, and then they meet, and I'll get to that in a second. So they meet Jomo, um, a uh, person who lives in Kenya. They travel some more. We talk a little bit about Queen Sheba, some nonsense. Now there's hippos, and then Jomo throws chocolate into the river. I'm going to type in chocolate and hippos because um, I'm not saying this uh, show is scientifically accurate. This is, I don't hold, I hold Doctor Who um, up to a higher scientific standard. <laughs> there's actually some uh, arguments online about librarians too, the librarian too, and do hippos eat chocolate? So we're going to answers.com and the oh, hope you didn't hear that. Uh, and the answer by the community is, you could give a hippo chocolate, but if you give it too much, it might get sick. I think they're referring to dogs. That is probably for a dog. I will abstain from answering this question right now. I would assume that this is not a real thing. And then Jomo does a little bear grills and eats some bugs, which, of course, Flynn and Fiona are like, goo, 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 goo. actually, if you've watched Man vs. Wild, you would know Jomo's doing it right. I mean, you, you should eat those bugs. Chocolate is probably not going to do it. Now, this entire montage, I'm assuming this is me, the fan, thinking that we can get some tie-in novel adventures here because... They, this is probably five to ten minutes of the film, but there's a lot that we don't see. I mean, that's that's a long-ass journey. So, 
we're going to assume they had some side adventures along the way. If you heard the cut there of sirens and the no sirens, that's because that was an edit point. So now we get the we get we we get, we get dropped a bomb, pretty uh, pretty nonchalantly. Flynn's dad was murdered, uh, like Batman. He was shot by while walking home. Yikes! That's some heavy stuff. Then we get a booby mountain joke because there's some sort of clue that the breast of Sheba is gonna lead them to this uh, piece of the key and. There's a couple mountains that look like boobies, so that's great. Um, and then the then, then the last part of the clue is that they got to go to a psychic place. So they drop off Jomo at some random village, and they go to a psychic place. And guess who is there already? Baldy Samir still doesn't have a name, as far as I remember. Flynn finds it. He finds the map. He finds the keys. Bad guys come in with guns. Uh, there's two guys that shoot off machine guns. <laughs> And they both do a spray like they're um, watering grass. I get it. We can't kill our main characters, but our, they're not even really shooting at anybody. We get some clear stump doubles who leap from the um, psychic village. In my head cannon, uh, Judson replaced temporarily Flynn and Fiona with these capable protectors and then quickly swapped them back. Because Judson can do whatever he wants. And then something very clever turns into something very cheesy to escape Flynn and Emily slash Fiona. They run into a little dance party. I love these little things. I love it when they use something that might really happen. So they're using, you know, I I guess these bad guys could just shoot everybody and, and call it a day. But we're assuming they have a little bit of a heart. So they're dancing and somehow... This leads to an almost kissed, kiss moment. Mm, not sure I buy it. And finally, we get Gen- General Samir's name. When we see Uncle Jerry randomly in Kenya on a train. How, how would anyone not at this point realize Jerry is a bad guy? Then we spend a lot of time on this train. Emily gets a, uh, a dress that's bought locally they go to dinner uh, they chit chat she's in Flynn's room after dinner Jer- they had dinner with Jerry by the way and they play with the, uh, the little device and he plays a little tune we get some magic time the uh, map turns to 3D by the way this this is a good 3D this is a good effect anything with the maps and the mountains and that stuff is good uh, then there's a little bit of a fight and then uh, but they make it make up and they do it, uh, Flynn and Emily. And much like the first movie, um, Judson appears in the mirror post-coitus. I don't know if Judson has a little uh, Flynn sex meter, but he seems to appear every time Flynn hooks up with his co-star. Take that for what you will. Flynn's even wearing a toga, much like the first movie. So I'm not quite sure what to make of that. That'll be a discussion topic maybe at Magoo's Con. Now, here's a very big, I don't know, I don't know what to call it. But at this very moment, um, Justin says to Flynn, you can come back to the library. You have the two parts of the key. You have the map. We are good. We have accomplished our mission. Come on back. 
put it in the little cupboard of ours and call it a day. Because without those items, you can't get into the mines. But Flint says, you know what? I want to go to the mines. F you, old man, I'm going. And Judson's like, all right. Again, we don't have a movie if Flint doesn't say this, but it's clearly something interesting about the character that he chooses. He chooses this. And this last 45 minutes is basically all Flint's fault. I mean, I guess in theory, Uncle Jerry could find another way to get the key um, from from his, um, you know, from Flint, I guess. Anyway, so through some razzle-dazzle, we get to the mine. Uh, we go across another green screen bridge, which is another connection to the first movie. This one looks much better. Um, and we get to the tomb. Um, when there's no book and no treasure, and, and Fiona is really upset. But nope, there's a secret room inside the room. Tons of uh, treasure. There's a Dead Sea Scroll, Book of Genesis, Sheba. The book is very magical. And of course the bad guys follow them in. Why? Why? That's a trope. I mean, not as bad as other movies in, in, in fiction where these things are like one-way trips in with with traps that reset still you know i don't know i always find it lame when the bad guys just follow them in and didn't have any of the shit with them anyway we finally get the reveal uncle jerry's working with samir and all his bad guys but this one this one is a big one uncle jerry is the one that shot his dad holy hell and the motivation I think his Uncle Jerry was into Olympia Dukakis. But she dug Flynn's dad instead. So is this really all about jealousy? Because Jerry's like, you know what? I got this book. It can bend space and time. I'm going to go back in time and date your mom. Now again, if this doesn't happen, there is no movie. But, you know, Olympia's not seeing anybody. Jerry seems like a good guy and, and she seems into him and... She was very happy to see him. Why doesn't Jerry just ask her out now? Flynn would have no idea. So, I don't know. I think Jerry's taking the, the hard route here. I think he could... Unless he's just an ageist and doesn't like Olympia Dukakis as she currently is and only likes her when they're when she's young. Which, you know, shame on Jerry. So they gotta go to a special chamber to do the time travel business and they throw... Flynn and her into a room, which, you know, I think even Samir says, you know, we could shoot you with our, with our guns, but this is more fun. At least, at least he met, at least he called it out. At least he made us aware that, yeah, we know there's an easier way to handle this, but we're going to take, we're going to do this. So Flynn and uh, Fiona are stuck in a small, uh, tall, Room, circular room, water's filling, ceiling's closing in. He goes under, he has a little surreal death scene. Of course he's not dead, because Jomo is there. First of all, I'm, I'm unclear as to how or where Jomo pulls him out. He pulls him out, but the conceit of the scene is that there's a door, there's a ceiling coming down, and water coming in. So where is where is Jomo, and how would he... I mean, he probably heard them. I don't know. I really don't know how Jomo saves Flynn, but he does. 
Then we have a Wizard of Oz moment where they all peek their heads over the uh, board, the barrier, and we see Uncle Jerry doing some incantation. And pardon me for the now dated reference, but Jomo pulls a uh, what's that guy on the internet that uh, played Warcraft? He shouted and ran into the battle. Shogun Stevens, whatever his name is. I'll think of it. Anyway, he just jumps over the barrier, and we have a wacky fight scene again, much like movie one. All the bad guys who had guns for this entire adventure decide not to use them, and they get their asses kicked. Again, I wrote in my notes, is this really about dating Olympia Dukakis? And I put, dude, get over it. You know, if I had a thing that could convert or manipulate space and time, maybe shoot a little higher than a date with a woman who is single currently. It doesn't matter. We have a little indie reference. Uh, Flint says ghosts. I hate ghosts. I do appreciate that. That was nicely done. Uh, Fiona really gives it to Samir. She sets him on fire, and then bats eat, eat him. Now, we don't see him die on screen, so he could come back. Please uh, insert your headcanon here. Maybe he has a human bat now. We don't know. Now here we see some really dodgy CG, and I was going to make a joke about it, but at the same time, this is 2006. 2005, because I reference everything to Doctor Who, 2005 had an episode called The Unquiet Dead, and the ghosts in that look a lot like the ghosts here. So it's probably the level of special effects at the time. So I'm going to cut this some slack. Again, like movie one, Flynn faces our baddie, Uncle Jerry. Instead of uh, Kyle McLaughlin, it's um, Jerry here, and he has a uh, staff. And I thought at the time, I still do, I kind of wanted Flynn to say, I know Kung Fu, you know, like Matrix. Because, you know, he said he has a lot of time at the library and learned it from a book, but hmm, it's okay. So then um, Flynn gets the book, and Jerry thinks, well, how about I try to get Flynn to uh, open the portal? And I'm not quite sure what his plan is after that, but he's trying to get Flynn to do it, and he starts reading it. And he has the gall to say, open the portal so you can see your dad again. And I said to myself, motherfucker, you shot him. How dare you? Unbelievable. Uh, Fiona does a little um, reflecto magic there. Not really magic. I'm not quite sure where the glare is coming from, but we'll let that slide. She shines a little light in Flynn's eyes. He kind of wakes up. He tosses the book into the lava, and Jerry does a dive into get it. He gets swallowed by lava. Again, we don't see him die. He might have gone back to the past. And then Flynn does the Olympic styled leap over the pit of lava. I have no explanation for it, but he jumps 20 feet or so um, horizontally. And then the practical effects guy who's been kind of sidelined gets to shoot off all his fire explosions as they all leave. I mean, there's a lot of explosions uh, at the end. But for all intents and purposes, we're to assume 
The ghosts go back, and the mine is destroyed. Um, they drop off Jomo in his village. They have a little goodbye. Jomo is a character in our universe, so he can come back. And then, of course, as was hinted at early, we do a Casablanca ending. Uh, very visually similar, if not um, textually similar. And uh, Fiona goes off to find more uh, Sheba stuff. We then cut to Flynn back in New York. Some little nonsense with uh, Judson and Charlene. Then we see the sword. The sword kind of sword and the flute kind of take us out. And we are out of there. So I'm going to wrap this up here. So what do you need to know for the universe? Well, um, we have some characters in play. We have Emily, who I keep calling Fiona. We don't know the fate of our two bad guys. They definitely have revenge stories if we need them. So be sure you know them. Because they may come up again. Flynn's not too keen on ghosts. Uh, His father was murdered, which is pretty crazy. And, And dark. Hey, but it happens, I guess. Um, his murderer is conceivably dead, but could be in the past. We don't know. And that is the music. We'll see you next time. Next time will be part three, uh, the third movie, which is the curse of the Judas, curse of the Judas Chalice. I'm trying to have that up later this week. I know the music already played, but that's because I hit a button. Um, see you then. Okay, bye. <laughs>